0: Welcome to episode four of the River Reason podcast, the podcast aimed at the practical application of the Christian worldview. My name is Brandon, and this is going to be um, kind of a holiday special episode. We're going to look a little bit at Easter um, and the common myth that Easter has pagan origins. We're going to look at some practical applications that we can approach that issue as Christians and just um, some easy methods to Utilize and some easy questions to ask to as we approach um, th- that topic. And I think this time of year, we see it a lot just on social media and everything like that through memes and little short TikTok videos and things of that nature. And so, hopefully, this can be um, a practical guide just to kind of help you think through some of those things. I want to start first with the um, kind of the history behind this pagan origins of Easter. I'm uh, not going to delve into like specific historical things, um, you know, I highly recommend just going and finding the primary sources and the oldest sources uh, for those things. But anytime you come across, you know, one of those memes or short videos or even like friends or family is uh, questioning kind of the the origins of Easter, they say something like, you know, paganism came first or Easter borrows a lot of stuff from paganism, Uh, kind of the first practical question that I think we should ask as Christians is, uh, well, show me. Uh, what sources are you using to say that Easter borrowed stuff from pagans? What are the, the primary resources, the primary sources that you're using to come to that conclusion? So, like I said, from the very beginning, just have them prove their claim. And uh, from my research and from what I've seen, the that will pretty much end um, all of that conversation. Because there is virtually zero evidence, or historical evidence at least, that Easter has borrowed or stolen anything from paganism. Some good resources that I would recommend um, are going to be uh, there's a gentleman named Michael Jones who has a YouTube channel called Inspiring Philosophy. He has videos on Easter and a lot of other theological topics, but he has videos on Easter um, kind of working through some of the primary sources, and he gives those primary sources that he is, is utilizing for those, and so I recommend not only watching his videos, but then using uh, his bibliography that he puts together to go and find those primary sources and read up on them you know yourself so you are familiar with them. Also, uh, a guy by the name of Mike Winger has a YouTube channel called uh, Bible Thinker, and he's got some great videos on this topic and other topics and uh, things like around Christmas being pagan and Jesus was a copy of Other Gods and just great, a bunch of great videos like that. And then a third resource I wanted to point out was uh, Marsha Montenegro has a website called Christian Answers for the New Age. And again, it's just, it's a great um, kind of article or blog-based website that has lots of good resources that's going to link a lot of those primary sources as well. So it's a great primer. Any of those three are great primers on this topic, and then they're going to give you um, the tools to dig in to it deeper and to do some further research also. So once you kind of um, get past that historicity aspect of it, really not having any foundation in uh, history uh, I, do, I do think there's some other practical applications though that we can take from that we can't do it. we don't just have to just go with well prove it and if they can't then we just get to you know kind of throw it out or wipe it away but we can also give them some other uh, answers or responses as well and so one of those things is um, well let's say easter the celebrations that we have around easter the time that we celebrate the resurrection of jesus and uh, let's say that there were some ceremonies or Some things that we have done or some things that we've taken that, you know, pagans did use in the past, like maybe, uh, you know, the Easter bunny uh, or eggs. Maybe somewhere, even though, again, I don't have never found any historical evidence that that strongly ties those together. But let's say that there was some uh, pagan cult from thousands and thousands of years ago that utilized eggs uh, to worship some kind of fertility goddess uh, in the springtime. Um, Well, so the first kind of response that I would have to that is sin doesn't work by accident. Um, If I paint an egg, if I use color and dye to paint a hard-boiled egg, I'm not accidentally worshiping some fertility goddess that I've never heard of. If I'm just doing as an activity to hang out with my kids or my kid and we're just painting eggs so we can go and hide them as kind of a, a family tradition, we're not accidentally worshiping some other god. There's no idol worship in that. Idol worship is a very specific intentional thing. You can't accidentally worship an idol. And so even if there was some kind of connection um, to some of these traditions, it's not like you paint the egg and that fake made-up goddess of fertility is somehow getting your prayers or getting your worship or getting your admiration because as Christians, we're focused on Christ and his resurrection. And we know that the other pagan gods and goddesses and these other deities are fake deities they're not real they're not active they're not anything that could be um influential in the world and so there's no there's no way to accidentally sin into idolatry it's a it's always a practical thing something is somebody is doing taking things and worshiping them in place of god and that's not what we're doing as christians on easter with any of our traditions Building on that same concept of, well, if a pagan or an idolater or an unbeliever has done that in the past, then it's not available for Christians to utilize it or to do it for the glory of God. Um, well, if that was the case, uh, pagans or unbelievers or idolaters have used probably everything we can think of candles, trees, uh, incense. Uh, I mean, I can't, uh, there's a million things that they've used. They worship the sun, they worship the moon, so are we not allowed to like open our windows and let sunlight in because there were some pagans that worshipped the sun god and so they worshipped his light or whatever like, if you take that mentality to its conclusions, uh, you're basically going to have to live in a hole somewhere and then you'll probably find pagans that worshipped holes in some way or some, some form and so there's really no practical way to even live out that idea that, well if an idolater or if a pagan ever utilized any of these tools or anything that kind of looks similar or in a similar concept? Um, there's just there's no way to actually make that practical and make it actually work out, and, and nobody lives by that standard. So it's really not something I don't think you even need to worry about. And This leads me to my third point here: is that I'm not uh, going to say that you have to celebrate Easter or that you know it's a requirement. By no means. Um, but there seems to be a general uh, kind of loud minority within the Christian community, within the Christian sphere of the Internet, and that would put these kind of moral bindings on the conscience of other Christians, saying, well, you can't do those kind of things on Easter because they have pagan or evil origins, and that they, uh, because somebody else might have been convinced um, of these things, or they think that it maybe it takes too much focus off of Christ um, in those things, they take this attitude of, well, I don't do it and it, it makes me holier than you. It makes me better than you. I've worked uh, something, I merited something almost by not celebrating in these pagan, secular holidays because those aren't Christian holidays. And, you know, again, if that's what you want to do for yourself, so be it. Um, but to try to bind the conscience of other Christians morally with those kind of things is uh, is pretty crazy. And I think it's, it's a danger and it's a detriment to Christian community in general that when we add things onto the gospel, when we add things onto scripture, to try to bind the consciousness of those around us and to try to decredit their Christianity, their faith, um, their commitment to Christ, because they have a different view on how to celebrate certain holidays. Uh, I think is a is a grave error and a very dangerous game. That uh, again, I think it's a minority of people that do it, um, but they're generally pretty loud and pretty rambunctious about it. I talked about this last concept I want to bring up um, for this episode in a blog that I wrote back in December. On the Root Reason blog, and about Christmas being pagan, and a lot of times these ideas that certain traditions or holidays or things about that nature that are uh, that Christians would celebrate are, are pagan. A lot of times they're tied with the same idea that well, Christianity has borrowed from paganism. Christianity has stolen things from paganism and repurposed it and tried to utilize it for themselves. Um, but as Christians, I think. Uh, it dawned on me back in December when I was doing some studying on Christmas as pagan and Christmas trees and things of that nature. Um, but it kind of it dawned on me then that, you know, really for Christians, the Christian worldview is that God is the creator of everything. He's the creator of reality itself, of the universe, of everything. And so even if, <clears throat> excuse me, even if uh, idolaters or pagans had taken something after creation and warped it and twisted it and corrupted it, and utilized it for idolatry or something evil, um, that doesn't mean that uh, Christianity stole anything from paganism. It would actually be the opposite. That these uh, pagan practices stole things from the God of Christianity, from the creator of everything. And they twisted it, and they sinfully used it to worship the creature instead of the creator. And so, uh, honestly, I, I have come to say that paganism stole from Christianity. Paganism is built off of Christianity, and it's not the other way around. If you let that concept that, well, Christianity is stolen from paganism, just um, go unchallenged, then you're allowing this uh, presupposition that paganism is somehow older than Christianity. And while it may be older than, say, the New Testament writings we have, uh, as Christians we worship the God of the Old Testament, the God that is the creator of everything from the beginning, God created That's how our scripture starts. That's how our worldview begins. And so there is nothing prior to God for him to have stolen from or borrowed from. So every other false religion, every pagan practice, all of these things are literally borrowing from God's creation and warping it and twisting it into sinful idolatry. So as I said in the beginning, um, don't just take the claim at its word. Don't just take the meme or the video or the blog article or or whatever, wherever you come across this idea that Easter is pagan, don't just take it at its word. Uh, Ask the question. uh, Well, prove it. Like, what what sources are you using to make this claim? Um, Because if they can't back up the claim, then you really don't have to give it much credence. Um, I would say go and check out those resources I mentioned at the beginning, the Inspiring Philosophy channel, the Bible Thinker channel, and the Christian Answers for the New Age webpage. Uh, which also has a Facebook group. I'd so say go and check them out and then use them as a primer and uh, kind of a, a starting point and then get into the primary source system as you have time and you'll see that uh, none of those claims hold water at all. I haven't found one that even comes slightly close. They're extremely exaggerated and the connections that are trying to be made are not near as old as um, are pretended to be. Most of them come from just a few resources only in the 1800s, uh, and they have no backing, there's no sourcing for, for those books that were written then, for where they came up with these ideas. So ask the question first, don't just take it at its word. Um, it's not rude to ask that question, to say, well, okay, show me, show me the receipts for what you're claiming. And secondly, remember that even if there is some off-the-wall connection that could kind of be drawn out of that, um, that doesn't mean that those things are forever corrupted or that you are somehow by uh, painting eggs or uh, engaging in any of the traditions that you are somehow accidentally or involuntarily worshiping an idol or a false god. Um, that's not something that you just happen to find yourself in. You don't just wake up and go, oh my gosh, I've been worshiping uh, this uh, false fertility goddess by painting eggs for the last 30 years of my life. Man, if I'd only known that... While I was painting those eggs and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, I was actually, by touching an egg, worshipping a false goddess. Uh, that's not how that works. It's not, that's not a real thing. And so even if there is some connection that could possibly be made, it's sinning is not an accidental thing, especially idol worship. You don't just accidentally worship an idol. And even things that have been used for pagan practices in the past, uh, they are God's. Ultimately, they are God's creation. Um, Any of those things have been used. And so they can all be redeemed, repurposed, and utilized for their proper good that they were first described with in Genesis. He looked at across creation that it was good. Um, And so we can reclaim those things. Just because uh, they were corrupted in the past uh, by some evil pagan worship uh, ceremonies or uh, utilized in different things of that nature, that doesn't mean that they are forever off the table. Because, again, that would probably lead to just about everything ever would be off the table, because everything's been used um, for sin in some respect, somehow. And so, all these things are God's. We have access to them. They're part of the creation that He's given us and told us to enjoy, and so we can utilize them as we worship and bring glory to Him. For this episode's Theological Moment, I'm going to read a few sections from St. John Christensen's uh, 5th century Easter sermon, and he writes... Let no one grieve over his poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one weep over his sins, for pardon has shone from the grave. Let no one fear death, for the death of our Savior has set us free. He has destroyed it by enduring it. He has despoiled Hades by going down into its kingdom. He has angered it by allowing it to taste of his flesh. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Christ is risen, and life is freed. Christ is risen, and the tomb is emptied of the dead. For Christ, being raised from the dead, has become the leader and reviver of those who have fallen asleep. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And that's the true purpose and meaning behind Easter, uh, is that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And so regardless of what traditions, we may do, what celebrations uh, we may have on Sunday, or what things uh, we do to fill our time. Ultimately, we want to remember and focused, uh, be focused on Christ and his resurrection and the freedom that he gave us through his death. And so I want to leave that with you today. Thanks for checking out this episode of Rooted Reason. And remember this weekend and coming up on Easter that you take the power of Christ with you, you take the kingdom with you, and that He is sovereign Savior and Lord of all people, everywhere, and over everything. Have a great Easter Sunday.